Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were meant, though poetry generally was written, was created to be read in a salon. Um, yeah. Uh, somebody would, the poet himself perhaps, would stand up in front of the ladies and uh, uh, mostly ladies um, and read read the sonnets. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Uh, and read the poem poems. Yeah. Yeah, but, because uh, it's always been more of a private private affair as opposed to plays which are yeah. which are more public yeah. and out in the open. Okay. But but there was, I mean, having said that, there was. Uh, um, the poems and the and the sonnets were printed very much earlier than the plays. In fact, there was a great reluctance to print the plays. Um, oh yes, you talked about the folio, which brings yes, me, yeah, I was actually <laughs> going to bring that up. Uh, which brings me to the folio. Shakespeare died in sixteen uh, sixteen. The folio was printed in sixteen twenty three. Um, when Shakespeare died, only about 18 of the plays had actually been printed. Um, some of them in copies, which were some of them in, in quarto versions. Quarto would be like a paperback. A folio is a huge book, uh, sort of like a modern encyclopedia. Um, right. And um, uh, in terms of size. Uh, <clears throat> and um, only, I think, 18 of the plays had been printed in quarto version, and some of the quarto versions were <clears throat> not official and were, um, I mean, we, we still have them, um, and uh, were almost certainly pirated um, in that um uh, a hired man, perhaps, who had played one or two of the characters, um, went to a printer and said, "Look, you know, I mean, you know that you know, you know that play, uh, Time of Athens, which uh, everybody's loving. Um, I can get, I can get you a printed. We we can print a version of it and uh, sell it on the bookstands in St Paul's Churchyard, um, and um, we can make a lot of money, um, and." Uh, and so the resultant quarto was um, somewhat bowdlerized, bastardized version of, of the play um, uh, because uh, he was working from his memory of uh, what um, of what had gone on on stage. Um, so he didn't actually. Yeah. So they didn't actually have like the, the the lines or anything in front of them. They were just going off memory. Yeah. Yeah, okay. well, that's what that's what we can pretty much surmise now from some of the quartos. Some of the quartos were were official. Um, I mean, there's the famous. There, are, there are two quartos of two different quartos of Hamlet. There's the first quarto and the second quarto, um, and uh, and so there are actually three versions of Hamlet. There's the first quarto, which is a bowdlerized, bastardized version. Um, uh, there's the second quarto, which is which was supervised and overseen by the Chamberlain's men, uh, or the King's men, actually, I think, by that time. Uh, and then and then there's the folio version. Um, they're all three really quite different. Um, some of the, the, the scenes are in different order. Um, 
and uh, and what you get in any uh, edited version um, edited by an academic and I'll get to the academics in a minute um, is usually an amalgam of all three versions and uh, so the whole thing if you do the whole thing as printed in any edited version and lasts about five hours and there is no way that any play on the given the terms and conditions and working practices of uh, um Elizabethan and Jacobean theatre, <laughs> no way a play could have lasted five hours. Um, uh, so, my personal feeling is that the first quarter was, um, oh, yes, some scholars have uh, isolated um, which characters the, uh, um, and there were probably two, um, which characters the two players played, Marcellus, um, I can't remember the others, um, research, any research will, will show that up. Um, the second quarter was uh, authorized, um, and the folio version is uh, different again from, from the second quarter. Um, given the time scale, um i think they were quite obviously possibly re rewrites um i mean you know uh if you've ever i mean every film um screenwriter will say you know they get to to, to draft 75 before they even get to one that is workable uh, <laughs> right uh, right um, so I don't think the idea of rewriting was uh, uh, was unknown uh, in, uh, in 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 that that period. I mean that I mean that that that, that does make sense. So 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 my other question is because I'm someone I'm someone who who enjoys reading Shakespeare. Um, I've I've made it a point to try to to try to collect. Um, as many Shakespeare plays from a certain publisher as I could. How do I know, for for example, that the I don't know what the Oxford World Classics edition of Henry the Fourth Part One is you know is is genuine and it's not based on you know the other quarters that may or may not have characters that aren't supposed to be in there or lines well, that aren't supposed to be in there. Um, right. What scholars do to Shakespeare. Um. Interesting that you should bring that up because I'm talking to a scholar at the moment, and we're talking about setting up a um, uh, an online debate: um, how the scholar and how the player approaches Shakespeare. What are their What are their differences? Where do they overlap? And how can they complement each other rather than um, be at odds with each other? Um, because um, to answer your question, if it's any respected academic um, print house, um, you know, Cambridge or Oxford, uh, then you could be fairly sure, except that um, 
because scholars don't understand a lot of the why the choices in the, in the way the, the verse is laid out, um, they make what I personally consider to be incorrect choices. Um, incorrect uh, assumptions and and choices, particularly in lineage, uh, the way it's lined. Um, and I found some glaring um, um, well, for example, in Romeo and Juliet, the, uh, Mercutio has this long speech. Argan, um, I see Queen Mabeth being with you, with thee. She is the fairest midwife. She comes and shake no bigger than an agate stone. And um, now I have a copy of uh, a facsimile, not a copy, uh, of the first folio. And uh, in every edited version I found, it's been versified. Whereas in the folio, it's in prose. Up until about two or three lines before Romeo interjects, and then it switches into verse. Now, as a player, I understand. Um, and, and having, because I, I always do it. I mean, it's just... Uh, um, you know, it's all very well to think about it and to talk about it, but it, you, you have to do it, and I always do it. And uh, in fact, that Mercutio speech is wonderful because when th there is a complete shift when he goes into verse, um, hello, yeah, oh no, I'm here, I'm here, yeah, yeah, um, and so, and so, why? have every has every scholar who has prepared an edited version of Romeo and Juliet gone through and gone through the effort because it's not actually not easy I mean, you know you have to to, to reline it if, if you look at it in the folio I mean to, to take the the speech as it's laid out in the folio and and look at it and compare it to the way it's laid out in every edited version I mean there's an awful lot of work that's gone in to um, versifying it um, and it's um, very, uh, it's very frustrating as a, as a performer because uh, versi versified it's actually extremely difficult to play. Um, whereas if you if you do it in prose, it it, it flows. It's incredibly poetic. It's incredibly full. It's full of uh, the most amazing imagery, but it's not in verse. Um, so basically, so so it sounds like what the scholars are doing is they're just taking something that's not supposed to be in verse and try to make it fit into that mold because they feel that's how Shakespeare would have wanted it. Is that a correct assumption? Um, well, yes. I'm not going to go into the assumptions of what um, goes on in the minds of scholars. Because, <laughs> um, and that's why we, we, we are talking, um, John. Um, and I are talking about 
putting this uh, debate together um, because uh, very often we're um, um, we're at odds um, us the players and and the scholars um, because uh, our approach is so different right right yeah I mean, I mean, if you take it down to its absolute very basic, the scholar will say, what does it mean? And the player will say, how does it feel? Yeah, because, you know, because obviously, you know, from, from a scholarly point of view, they're not, you're, they're not, I mean, at least that I know, they're not going to step onto the stage and, and perform it the way that an actor would. So they're comfortable. Mm -hmm. They're comfortable approaching it from an intellectual standpoint, trying to understand the history, the psychology. Whereas you know, an actor is going to going to feel for the flow of those lines. Yeah. Um, so, I, so I want to ask you about your um about about your show Shakespeare Unbound. What um what what do you? It's going to sound like a dumb question, but what do you cover on on your show? Like, do, like, do you cover the? Um, do, do you? Um, I'm, I'm assuming you. I'm assuming you, you. You go into Shakespeare quite a lot, but do you cover um, your your analysis of those lines in detail very, very well, or? Colin, are you there? It appears Colin has dropped off. Let me see if I can get him back on here. Um, I guess while we're waiting for Colin to come back, um, I did want to say that that this approach to Shakespeare from a performing standpoint, a performer standpoint, actually does make sense because Shakespeare, because the Shakespearean plays have always been meant to be performed, and I think where we kind of, at least at least in my perspective, where we've sort of fallen off is the fact that we've reduced it to a literary intellectual exercise and. In a way, it, it, it's sort of the easier route, but it also does Shakespeare a, a huge disservice because we because we lose the flow, we lose the meaning, we lose the the emphasis that you know that, that, that Shakespeare puts in his lines. Um, so just like so, just as Colin said earlier about um, about that famous um, speech from Hamlet, "To be or not to be," when we read it, it's 
it kind of goes over our heads because we're we're thinking about what's going on in Hamlet's mind. Is he contemplating something serious? Is he doing this or is he doing that? But from but from a performer standpoint, as you know, as as he said before, there, there there's a bit of a story to it because if you're if you're saying that is the question, it it, it sort of creates this realization that maybe this thing that's been rattling my head, maybe there's something to it. Um, that's my takeaway from this entire, um, you know, from from that um, approach to understanding those lines. And it's a very fascinating approach, I think. Um, let's see if we can get Colin back on here. I sent the invite back. Let me see if I can get him back. But um, we'll see. While we'll see what we can do to get Colin back on the podcast. But while um while we're doing that, um, let me know. Let me know down in the comments what you think um of Shakespeare. Let me know if if there are certain approaches that 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 you feel work for you when when trying to understand the Bard and his work. And also remember to like, comment, subscribe. Let me know what you think. Um, I would definitely love to get more um, more guests onto the show, and definitely love to grow the grow the podcast as well as the audience base for the channel. Um, I'm gonna include links for Colin's channel. Um, let me see, if, and if if I can find any links for his um, for his show as well as any anything in terms of his social media profile or sites, I will put that down in the link as well because this is a very fascinating topic for me. Um, and it's something that I would definitely love to expand upon um, on the podcast uh, in future episodes. And I guess the big question for me is which, you know, I guess which publisher gets Shakespeare correct the most because, because over the years I've, I've, I've tried collecting different publishers just to see if there's a bit of a difference. I, I did mention the Oxford World Classics. I've got Hamlet and Henry the Fourth Part. Uh, part one and Pelican Shakespeare, um, at least, um, at, at least in my younger, younger days, it was, it, it was sort of a go-to for me, but I, I've started looking at other publishers like Arden. Um, I believe RSC has in a, um, ha has several copies out as well. I think I've got the RSC copy of Richard the third, and then I've got the Arden copy of Richard the second. Um, so that would, so hopefully that will be um, there'll be a future episode where I can ask Colin if there is a um, if, if there's a particular publisher that that he wouldn't that he would recommend. I will say I've never been a fan of the Folger Library cop uh, versions of Shakespeare. Um, I mean, if you went, I mean, I mean, if you went to school in the late '90s, early 2000s, I know the Folger copy was the copy that every student um had to get when they were reading shakespeare i know i had to get it for um julius caesar romeo and juliet oh, there's one other one i think it might have been midsummer night's dream although i cheated a little bit and i got the signet classic version instead but all the lines seem to be there uh,
So um, we'll just wait to see if we can get Colin back on here. And if not, we'll, um, we'll go ahead and end, end the episode. But, but like I said, I mean, from, um, you, you know, this is a, this is a huge, um, a huge shift um, for the podcast because previously we've always, like I said before, we've always um, done movie reviews, trailer reactions, you know, give our opinions on certain, on certain topics, certain movies, as well as interview you know, filmmakers and um, producers and film festival organizers. So I feel like, I feel like by doing this um, particular episode, it, it kind of opens up the doors to, to include different perspectives, not only on, you know, on, on the arts, but also um, different, different segments um, within um, the performing community. Um, just because Shakespeare has always been such a huge influence on, you know, on, on, on the public imagination. Um, uh, you know, I know in, I know in the UK, Shakespeare ha has a much stronger presence because of the fact that the bard is English, but it's also had a huge influence on the way that, you know, that people around the world have, have always understood and appreciated um, Shakespeare, uh, you know, in terms of what he says, how he conveys our, our hopes, fears, and understanding of the human condition. 